biggest match in pro wrestling history. This is not a wrestling match. This is a fight. Welcome to another brand new episode of Is It a Classic? Uh, the podcast where Danny and Chad are ranting about wrestling and then trying to save it for the podcast and keep continuing, but then we hit record. Uh, the podcast where we take a look at the match in wrestling history and determines for you definitively using science. If it is, in fact, a classic. And today we got a, we got a banger in multiple senses of the word. We have Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka all the way back in 1998. Holy shit, almost 25 years ago uh, at ECW Heat Wave, which is also appropriate because it is effing hot where we are in the world. I am in Texas. He is in Louisiana and humid. Uh, enough about that. Hey, man. How you feel? I feel as good as I look tonight. And uh, boy, yeah, heat wave. Apropos, my AC unit can't keep up. I'm surviving over here. I'm upstairs recording. I'm putting it all on the line for you people. In fact, I'm almost feeling a heat wave of a negative rant coming on about stuff. But I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. You have to pull it out of me because I don't want to do it. I like how you're making a big sacrifice being upstairs. I'm upstairs. That's a sacrifice. Heat rises, pal. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. All right, let's dive into some MF and headlines. I just want to thank each and every one of you for all you've done to your bodies. It's still real to me, damn it. I mean, thank you. All right, let's just, I was going to start somewhere else, but we were ranting before, right before the show started about AEW. And so we should just start there because that's what's on our brains. We don't want to lose what we were talking about. Look, here's what I'll say. Uh, we missed a week. We missed being able to talk about Punk relinquishing the title. Forbidden Door is a hot mess of booking. I think there's a hot mess of booking everywhere. And AEW continuing to jam-pack everything into their show. I'm with you on that one. The John Moxley-Hiroshi Tanahashi segment to me was like, a parody of how AEW's booking with all of the random run-ins. We had we had the run-in. We had we had the guy that couldn't talk. We had Jericho back out in another random feud, you know, still in the same feud, but in a new feud. We had people you've never seen on television before with El Desperado on AEW television. We've got and then him just being like, hey, Sammy and Ty is a part of the Jericho Appreciation Society. It was like it was like weeks of storyline in one, you know, five minute segment or whatever it was. All right, you rant. Yeah, I mean the JAS now has more members than the LWO. I mean, it is a big, <laughs> big stable. Well, you know, to be to be uh objective, it's really cool that um wrestlers like Will Ospreay have been and Jay White have been brought onto television and showcased to an audience because there's no denying the buzz around these guys, you know, as far as their popularity uh, within the, Jap the Japanese universe and Japanese wrestling lore. These guys are a big deal right now. Zack Sabre Jr. on the way. It's really cool for guys like me who have not had the time to immerse themselves in the product 
to, you know, get an opportunity to see these guys on American television. I feel like AEW just, you know, it, it's rushed. It's these guys appear, you know, they're, they're talked about as if they're all time greats and they you very, know, they, they very well may like be. You have to know who they are. You have to right. know who they are. They don't, but I don't think AEW presents them as such. They just allow them a platform. You know, their music can be kind of generic. You know, I, I feel like Jay White's, fin- you know, like sometimes they're, it's like, here's what I'm trying to look at if I'm a, a novice viewer. What makes this guy stand out? Because obviously he's going to be a great athlete and a good wrestler. And when you see them in the matches that they've had on AEW television, there's no denying that. I mean, like you can see the talent. It's obvious. But boy, their presentation. I don't know if that's exactly how they're presented in Japan. I assume not. But the way that they're presented on American television is that you're just supposed to already know that they're a big deal. And so that everything that they do is just a holy shit moment for you. And it seems like it is for a lot of the fans in attendance. But for a novice viewer like me, you know, it would be like you have three guys, the caliber of Brian Danielson come out and they're all really good. I know who that guy is. I know the greatness that he's capable of. And I've seen it and I've seen it over the years. If you just threw him out there in a tag match and he had a pretty good tag match and then that's it. You know, it's it you I don't think you would instantly be like, oh man, I get it. Yeah, this is one of those greats. These guys don't have the characters, or at least aren't putting that type of character work on display on television. And I think it sucks. I think it's gonna be tough to get a good buy rate other than the people who were gonna buy this show as soon as it was announced. Um, so it just like you said, it lends to AEW just jam-packing stuff on TV. I think they've had more highlight reel moments in their you know, two years of existence on television than the entire career of WCW on television. I mean, when you just think about the crazy bumps, the the big moments that they just go ahead, I mean, like that have happened. I mean, so much has happened. And unfortunately, we've probably forgotten more than we actually remember. That works in both ways. One, whenever they had their last Jacksonville show after COVID and they had that video of look at all the stuff that happened in Jacksonville and you were like, holy shit, there was this empty arena match and there was this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. You're like, oh my God, a lot did happen, which you go, I can't believe I forgot all of that. But then also you get, you do get that emotional connection. You get the feeling like I have faith in AEW that Forbidden Door will be a excellent pay-per-view because they've had nothing but excellent pay-per-views. And this, this helps with that, but you are spot on. If you don't know who Jay White is, if you don't know who Will Ospreay is, if you don't know who Hiroshi Tanahashi is, Jared did his best job of saying, like, Tanahashi mm-hmm. is the third best guy I've ever seen wrestle. Like, that type of stuff helps. But why is he called the ace? Give me give me a two-minute history of the guy fighting for your interim world heavyweight championship. If Will Ospreay is going to be this big thing, give me a two-minute video package on who Will Ospreay is and not on a road to on YouTube. Like, make some time in the show to do it. You yeah, know, we know cut. that they can make these video packages. They surprisingly seem to be right on par with the WWE as far as their ability to produce something great. They just don't have the TV time to put it on there because there's so much wrestling, which, you know, sounds like an oxymoron, but it's like, it's too much. Well, it's just like th- they had a s- small video package for Darby Allen and Kyle O'Reilly to rem- remind you of that for Friday, which was great. Well, have some more of those and cut down some match time. I mean, again, the matches are good, but you know, you could use that. You could use Rampage to do some of that stuff as well. And they just, they, they're missing that. Who is Will Ospreay? Why should I care? Who is 
El Desperado. Why should I care? Who is Hiroshi Tanahashi? Why should I care? I know who Tomohiro Ishii is if he's in the four-way for the All-Atlantic, but I also don't care about the 75th title that's been on the tele- on, on AEW television, you know, all that stuff. Um, so speaking of that, speaking of AEW and uh, titles, uh, there was a tag title match on Dynamite that was missing a team originally announced for it as Jeff Hardy had another Dewey. Um, I just, I watched the TMZ video. Don't know if you did. It's just sad that he's got, you know, he's got the addiction that he does. I'm like, I'm empathetic to the addiction, but he also made the choice to get behind the wheel of a car with, you know, that is, that's a a separate choice in my mind. And I've read a lot of people online who have alcohol addiction problems that are like, yeah, I'm addicted to alcohol, but I walk or I take an Uber or like, I'm still not going to get behind the wheel of a car. And I think they made the right decision by suspending him without pay. You got to get clean and you got to be clean for a while before you come back because you can't fire him because he'll go back. He'll go somewhere. He'll he'll go to TNA and do the same thing you did with Sting. You can't, you know, allow him back on TV, Jimmy Uso style, because that just looks terrible. Um, so I think they made the right choice, but it's a sad situation. Yeah, the whole thing's really awful. It's tough to pin someone making the correct decision as far as getting behind the wheel or not when they're not in their right mind. In no way does that absolve them of of uh, responsibility. You just can't do that. So if you do, the punishment has to be swift and severe. And it looks like that's probably what's coming Jeff's way. It, the whole thing's just sad. And I really got to wonder, you know, is Matt Hardy was Matt Hardy duped as well, or is he selling you know a bad bill of goods? Or does the type of matches that AEW allowed Jeff to perform right off the bat over and over and over again, what just led to the fast track? You know, is is this something that happened because of the interesting career he had right off the bat in AEW and the extreme risk and brutality that he went through that he was protected from in the WWE? I mean, maybe we can still believe his burnout story and apparently his drug tests were clean and they, you know, that can't be refuted. But he just, you know, he got out here and the gloves were off and he was allowed to be free, which he craved so bad. But, you know, maybe that's something he wasn't ready for. I, I hope the best for him. I'm glad that we all, everyone dodged a bullet and no one was hurt. And uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully he is able to get his life together. And, and I don't know that that needs to involve wrestling anymore. He's made enough money. That's the thing. He's made enough money. He's made enough money to hire a driver, you know, you would think. Um, so... Uh, he may go to jail. That's the other thing. He may go to jail for a few Probably years. Probably will. And, he, you know, he gets clean via force because he's behind bars. Um, before we move on and talk a little bit of uh, WWE stuff that we need to catch up on, uh, did you have an instant classic you wanted to mention that you saw on any TV show for the week? Hey, if you like wrestling, you should tune in to Dynamite anyway, because as we've discussed, they're going to jam pack so much stuff in there. There's something for everybody, but there's definitely something for those of you who like good wrestling matches. And that was Dax Harwood versus Will Ospreay. As I mentioned, uh, Ospreay maybe not presented as the biggest deal in the world, but when he got some time in the ring with an equally game Dax Harwood, who I almost God. I like him so much, I almost want to see the team break up because I want to see what this guy's got in the tank. And they're my favorite tag team in the world. So conundrum there for Danny, but watch that match. That's some good shit. 
Good shit indeed. I think that they could, as I was watching that match, I think they could do one of those things where they're a tag team. They occasionally do singles and maybe they have a singles title. They're just like always in whatever mix that they, that they feel like they need to be in. Maybe, but I, to me, the only problem is when you watch a match like that, you know, Dax isn't winning because he's not a singles guy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They get in like a TNT title match and they win a TNT title. He'd have to win. Yeah, yeah. there'd have to be some big wins. Yeah, or Cash does. You know, he had one singles match against Dax, but it was still a great match. Uh, I agree. That was a banger. I also thought that the uh, ladder match was a banger as well. Uh, And I do have to give a special shout out to Britt Baker, who did have me rewind that spot multiple times and go, oh my God, did Tony Storm just kill her? Britt's selling fucking got there's no way are you i mean did she not get hurt fooled me did she not get hurt i still believe she got hurt don't rewind and listen to what i said uh is she i don't maybe she was not gloopy for a second but i I don't think she had to have been the way that tony was looking at the ref i mean like if not that's one of the best works i've ever seen not even kidding yeah it was it was awesome all right Quick uh, housekeeping on some dub stuff. We never got a chance to talk about Cody and his torn pec uh, and his black and blue chest. That match with Seth was uh, an ungodly performance. Like Kudos to him. It was, uh, for the situation, such an amazing match that they worked. Uh, you know, I'm, They said he'd be out nine months. I'm assuming and hoping that's a... We're saying nine months, so that way he's number 30 at the Royal Rumble and he wins the Rumble. But kudos to him for doing what he did. And it like sucks from a timing standpoint that he's not that he's like the peak stardom he's ever had. And then he has to go away for an injury. But if they do the Triple H Royal Rumble return style thing for him and don't just make it a a surprise, but actually bring him back on Raw a couple of weeks beforehand and build him up, he's going to be an even bigger star than he was leaving. Man, I mean, I think the whole tear, the way it was presented, the way he gutted it out, I think Cody, if he hadn't already, has just etched himself into just like all-time status in a hurry since his return to the WWE. I think that's just amazing. I can't believe how well he fits back there and how much they needed him and how much he has to give as far as filling that void. You know, not too long ago, we were talking about that roster and getting some real concerns. And I still am. A lot of those problems are still there. But I got to say, man, I'm feeling the roster. I know this is what happens when we get to a big show like SummerSlam. They find a way to put the right combinations of people together. I'm liking Riddle. You know, I don't know about Reigns combining the titles only for them never to be defended. That's super weird. But, uh, dude, I, I don't know. I'm getting the itch as far as, like, getting excited for SummerSlam season. That was awesome. And I think the timing of the injury, albeit horrible for Cody, is really great for Seth. And he's going to rebound in a hurry. And instead of this just continuing on forever and maybe them having a chance to screw it up or, you know, push Seth down the card, this is good for him, which he kind of needed, coming off of extremely huge honors that he's done for Cody. And, uh, man, I think this is going to work out great long-term. I just hope for Cody that all goes well and uh, everything lines up right. Well, I'll be interested to see, heading into SummerSlam, who challenges Reigns for the title at SummerSlam with the current report out there that Orton may be done for 2022. So, we'll see. All right. Let's get to our main event. And tonight at 295. 
and his opponent from Yagawama, Japan, weighing in tonight at 236 pounds, Masato Tanaka! It is main event time, and as mentioned at the top of the show, we are talking about today Masato Tanaka versus Mike Awesome. Not yet the fat chick thriller, not yet that 70s guy Mike Awesome, just regular old ECW Mike Awesome at ECW Heatwave 1998. And we're going to determine definitively via science if it is in fact a classic by breaking down five categories and rating them zero to one star. Uh, if we give a match at least four stars, we both do, then it is eligible to be a classic definitively. And what are those categories, you may ask? Well, let me tell you. First is storytelling. Did the match tell a story from start to finish? Did it tell the same story from start to finish? Did it have the right uh, crescendo, decrescendo, climax, all the things you look for in a good book? Second is atmosphere. How is the heat? How are the announcers? Did you feel it through the screen? Did you feel it in your loins? Third is execution. How were the moves executed? Were they crisp? Were they clean? Was there any botches? Anything they did that took you out of the match? Fourth is the finish. Did the finish hit at the right time? Was it the right finish? Did the right person go over? Did it have the impact it needed to have? And finally, significance. Did this match hold a significant place in wrestling history? Do anything uh, that had never been done before in wrestling? Does it live in wrestling lore for a specific reason? Does it have some significance to the combatants' careers? Those are our five categories. But before we break down the match and before... We talk about those categories. We got to know what led up to this match. And, you know, fortunately for us, we have a Pulitzer Prize winning wrestling historian here on the podcast for us to talk about the history leading to, into this match. And I, you know, I don't know if when you listen to him, it brings a tear to your eye like it does mine. Tears of joy, but get your Kleenex ready. Because here's Danny. Thank you, pal. I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it. Like like Owen Hart accepting a Slammy Award that was never his in the first place. I'll take it. I'll take the Oscar. I'll take them all. This is our 49th match we're going to review here. Mike Awesome, Masato Tanaka, Heat Wave 98. This was at the Hera Arena in Dayton, Ohio. This was on August 2nd, 1998. FYI, that's a long-ass time ago. There were 4,400 fans in attendance in a true, true ECW-style arena. If you just look at a picture of the Hera Arena on the internet, it just it might as well just be the ECW arena from the outside. Like, it's, it's just enough. It just looks like a good time. You know what I mean? Just like that lady at the bar. You know what I'm talking about at the bar. The Hera Arena. That's your gal. I'm going to buy the Hera Arena a drink. I want to go to the hair arena. I want to go watch a Leonard Skinner concert at it. You know, I, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Mike Awesome, Masato Tanaka. If you've heard of one of these guys, then you probably associate him with the other. And if you haven't, then get ready to begin your journey on the most violent and nonsensical, tough man, ass kicking wrestling style you'll ever see. These two guys are a perfect example of a pairing that garnered a reputation across oceans and being showcased in the United States and then taking on a whole new life. 
So when you talk about the origin of these guys, you have to talk about the ECW of Japan, FMW, which stands for Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling. And that was owned and operated by Atsushi Onida. FMW ran in stadiums in Japan and was really most famous for their death matches. And yes, I'm talking about the ones that you remember Cactus Jack and Terry Funk being in. That's FMW. Super famous. Even the fans in the, you know, in the U.S. in the mid-1990s were tape trading and checking it out. All the while this was going on, you had a young Mike Alfonso being allowed to slip through the fingers of WCW, much like the story of Mark Calloway, this big, ridiculously athletic guy, and they're just like, I can't do anything with this. But he ends up here in FMW, and he's the gladiator. So the gladiator didn't just make a name for himself. He dominated FMW over time. The promotion goes through kind of an evolution in the mid to late 1990s because Onita ventures out into acting and starts starring in movies, one of which was called Dangan, which means bullet, which we'll get to later, That because that becomes the nickname of his star pupil. You guessed it, Masato Tanaka. Tanaka, Onita, Terry Funk, Cactus Jack, Hayabusa, and the Gladiator, among many others, take part in brutal multi-man tag team matches for years. So Tanaka, Gladiator, no strangers to each other. And Onita's acting career actually was a stranger to success. It doesn't pan out. So he returns. FMW now looks a lot different because the death matches have been toned down. That hardcore style, not really as prevalent now. They're moving in a new direction. So the Gladiator becomes the top act against the likes of Hayabusa and then has two reigns as their heavyweight champion, which they called the Brass Knuckle Heavyweight Championship. Later on, he ends up unifying another title that they created for Onita as he came back called the Independent Heavyweight Title, and it just ends up being that you're a double champion. This started being called the double championship around the time that the Gladiator was in his second reign, and the Gladiator becomes the longest reigning champion in FMW at the time, defeating, of course, Masato Tanaka along the way in 1997. He had that reign ended at 489 days by Tanaka in September. So these guys have a shit ton of history together. Tanaka during this time gets all scarred up. He has gnarly scars on his chest and his arm, much like you'll see on Cactus Jack, except, you know, keloided up and even worse looking. I mean, this guy's been through hell. He's a grizzled vet at this point. And about 100 days after Tanaka captures the title, he drops it. And by this time, both men's reputation has preceded them, and they make the jump to the States to ECW, abandoning that more technical presentation that FMW had adopted and reigniting that thirst for hardcore action here in the States. So Awesome had sporadically appeared actually in ECW in 93 and 94 and in 97, but never for long. And when he was in ECW, he was dubbed Mike Awesome. Tanaka debuted on ECW television weeks before Awesome comes back in. He kind of had a poorly received match with Doug Furness, not really got anything going. And, you know, people that had followed Tanaka's career, you're kind of worried, like, I don't know if this is going to work. But you didn't have to worry for long because in July of 1998 on Hardcore TV, Tanaka's next match is against the returning Mike Awesome. So here's Awesome. He's six foot six. He's 300 pounds. He is coming off of two pretty rough knee injuries over the last couple of years, but he's still diving all over the place, throwing power moves, caution to the wind. And then there's an insanely vast aerial assault that he's throwing at this 5'11 bulldog that just won't quit. The fans fall in love with it. It absolutely captivates the crowd. Tanaka and Awesome tear it down. Tanaka gets the win. And now 
It took him three consecutive roaring elbows, which will play into our match tonight. But that's several wins in a row over Awesome. If you remember, it was Tanaka that ended Awesome's title reign. Awesome, the gladiator, used to have a winning record against Tanaka. Now, how the turntables have turned. But not content to sit with that. Awesome gets pissed, attacks Tanaka, and Awesome bombs Tanaka over the top rope through a table, sending the crowd into an absolute frenzy. And Masato Tanaka hits the concrete floor and his head slides all the way under the metal guardrail in this brutal visual. So lucky for any lovers of violence, a rematch gets booked for this heat wave pay-per-view. It's the Hera Arena, and it's time to get it on because we've got two guys coming from the home of death matches to the hardcore mecca in the U.S., and they're going to resume that feud. That Now, I mean, when it was completed, it spanned over a decade, over the Pacific Ocean, and over three different promotions. They had their final meeting at ECW One Night Stand on WWE pay-per-view in 2005. So stand back! Because your mind's about to be blown as you gaze upon what amounts to pretty much a constant spamming of just brutality. So behold, Iac Nation, let's see what the science can do when it has to measure up to this type of extreme. Excellent, as always. I got to ask you, you know, if you were, if this was uh, the playground and we were picking the two captains do the draft for the cream team. My guess is Mike Awesome, Masato Tanaka, top of the list for captain's picks. That's captains. Yeah, of the you don't want team. them on the same team. You want, if you get team creamy mustard, nobody survives. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, a lot of, a lot of holding the a button down, doing a little strong grapple in this match. Uh, you mentioned September 2nd, 1998 as the date of heat wave 98. That's about, if my calculations are correct, less than 30 days before you and I met, my friend. Yeah, I think we caught a heat wave and rode that bitch to today. That, not an expected way that I was expecting a way of you to put that. I don't know what my sentence was going to be. I'm going to shut up. But yes, I agree. All right. Here I we was go. holding down B there. Yeah, <laughs> correct. Uh, all right, we've got Joey Styles on the call with Joel Gertner here. Uh, we got Mike Awesome out first. He is looking jacked, wearing all black here. Um, his music, they have that. If you ever remember Mike Awesome's music, it is uh, like this sort of punk, weird punk music all about him. It's sort of awesomely bad, but awesome. You didn't watch a lot of this show like I did because you would have known that this isn't Gertner. This is Shane Douglas on commentary with Styles. Is it Shane Douglas? Yes. I thought the voice wasn't Gertner, but I did. That's right. What you heard was the franchise, not the franchise Joel Gertner, even though I'm sure he's called himself that. Shane Douglas. Uh, Anywho, thank you for that correction. Um, So here comes Mike Awesome with his awesome music. His mullet is just as amazing as it was for the entirety of his career. Then we've got Masato Tanaka out next. Neither guy really got a huge reaction coming out to this crowd. Um, Tanaka's in his, got some fire on his tights. He's looking pretty good himself. Joey Styles is doing a good job. Doing a good job of laying out the history like Danny was. Not as good as Danny did because, again, Pulitzer. Um, But, you know, this was 1998, so Joey was doing the best he could. 
Uh, all right, we get in there. The bell rings. Masato sends Awesome into the corner. Uh, and Awesome steps up and to the top rope and does this jumping back elbow. Just sort of walks up and does it. Then Masato bounces off the ropes and goes for a shoulder tackle, but they both just collide. And Awesome yells at him, get off me, motherfucker, which was bleeped out on Peacock, uh, just in case you didn't know what he was saying. They trade offensive temps. Uh, eventually, Tanaka goes for a leapfrog that Awesome catches and turns into like a standing belly-to-belly overhead suplex. Awesome then runs at Tanaka but gets sent out to the apron, and then he hits the, his great-looking sort of springboard shoulder tackle that he does for two. He sends Tanaka to the outside, who almost crashes on the timekeeper's table. He then bounces off the rope and does a flying shoulder, uh, flying missile shoulder tackle tope over the top rope on the outside to Tanaka, just crumbling on the floor. Think the Undertaker WrestleMania dives, except he just had his hands to his side and was just like, I'm going to land where I land, and this is what happens. There is no mat on the ground, by the way. This is pure concrete. There is no mat on top of it. Holy shit. It's insane. And what's crazy is Mike is plummeting towards the cement floor. But just before his head explodes on the concrete, for some reason, he just like seems to slow down and land somewhat softly. I don't know how it's possible. It's the same way that maybe Britt Baker dodged Tony Storm's ass. I don't. Exactly the same. Tanaka concrete, Britt ass. Again, Pulitzer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was nuts, though. The crowd was stirring a little bit, but then they stopped. They still like aren't into this as much as they should be at this immediate moment. Uh, Mike Awesome then goes to the top. He goes does a flying clothesline for two. We get the spot where Awesome German suplexes Tanaka, who no-sells it, and then Awesome sort of runs at Masato slowly, and Masato hits him with a sort of slow scoop power slam where he almost drops Mike Awesome on his on his head. If Mike Awesome was any lower, his neck would have just skidded across the canvas. What a visual though. I mean like how do you do that if you're Tanaka? I mean he did still manage to spin all the way oh, around with awesome, no momentum. Awesome, almost Awesome almost came to a complete stop. He was running at him and then was like, "Pick me up, motherfucker." <laughs> Tanaka obliges. Yes, he did. Uh, Tanaka then does a springboard clothesline to Awesome, who just sort of tree trunk lumbers down when he gets hit. Tanaka grabs a chair, and the crowd starts to chant, fuck him up. Uh, awesome is standing at the bottom of the ramp. So this, this stadium has the entrance ramp that connects all the way to the ring. So Awesome is standing at the connection point between the ramp and, and the ring at this point in time. So Tanaka runs all the way up to the entrance. So Awesome is on the outside of the ring. Tanaka runs all the way up to the entrance, which Joey Styles claims is 75 feet. And then he runs full bore at Mike Awesome with the chair in his hand and does a flying, I will push the chair into your head. There wasn't like a swing. He didn't like hold it and hit him. He just sort of like jumped and pushed it as he flipped over the top rope. Just a crazy visual there. Uh, Tanaka then went for a move, but Awesome catches him and just dumps him to the outside. Now they both get chairs to do the sword fight spot where they're hitting the chairs against each other. Tanaka wins and then hits a chair shot to the back of Mike Awesome. Tanaka then runs at Awesome, but gets awkwardly backdropped into the crowd. Uh, it was a weird backdrop. Awesome then is about to head back to the ring. He grabs the railing. He pulls it in close to the ring, so you know he's going to jump over it. Then he. Jump, goes to the top rope, and he does a flying 
what I can only describe as a flying here comes my body to Tanaka in the front row. It was impressive. He didn't go for a clothesline. He didn't have his hands up for an axe handle. He just jumped at him and said, catch me. He did a, uh, the flying here comes my body. And they landed in the uh, front row. They get back in the ring to continue the awesomeness of Mike Awesome. He gets Tanaka in powerbomb position, yells, what's up, Ma, to his mother, and then hits a sit-down powerbomb, an awesome bomb to Tanaka. We get a one, a two, and a kick out. We get then a just random Alabama slam, holding down A. Uh, Awesome back up to the top, hits a big splash. And I will say, for this big splash of all the spots, Awesome did get up. Now Awesome grabs a chair. He hits he hits Masato with a disgusting, hard, unprotected headshot that, that Masato no-sells. He hits him with another that Masato sells this time, but gets right back up. Then Tanaka hits the ropes, and as he's running at Mike Awesome, Awesome hits him with a third and insanely hard chair shot, denting the shit out of the chair. Awesome then picks up Tanaka and hits a running release Awesome Bomb. Looks sort of like an ego's edge from Ethan Page. Then Awesome sets up the table on the outside. The crowd starts to stir because we've seen this spot before. Awesome then goes to the top of the chair. So he set up the table. He climbs the top turnbuckle. Tanaka is inside. Awesome has the chair, is on the top turnbuckle, and does what I can only describe as a top rope chair shot axe handle where the chair is the axe handle to Tanaka's unprotected head. All right. Well, he sets up Tanaka and he goes for the awesome bomb. Again, we've seen this before from the inside out onto the table, but Tanaka blocks and he runs off the roast, but he's met with a boot. Then awesome gets that from the boot, tries again, but Tanaka wiggles free and blocks it again. Tanaka then sets up awesome and he does his own awesome bomb to Mike awesome, dumping him over the top rope over onto the table, onto the floor, through it. Mike Awesome didn't skid, but he landed on his fucking head on the concrete through the table. The crowd is cheering like crazy. We get holy holy shit chants. And then Tanaka, of course, rolls him back in the ring, and here we go. One, two, kick out. Awesome kicks out from being awesome bombed over the top rope to the table. So Masato decides it's time to hit the roaring elbow. Bam! Nails Mike Awesome. One, two, kick out. Awesome kicks out again. So now Tanaka takes the two chairs that have been introduced in the match and sets them on the mat. And as opposed to three roaring elbows, he decides it's Tornado DDT time, motherfucker. And he sets up and hits that Tornado DDT on the chairs. One, two, three. Tanaka wins, and the crowd goes nuts. 11 minutes, 49 seconds. Strong grapple moves only. Of strong, yeah. Strong grapple, strong grapple, strong grapple. Uh, it, it was, there was definitely some, some cream, some mustard, some meat, some oomph behind all of it. Whoo, buddy. All right, let's dive into our categories. We'll start with storytelling. Danny, kick us off. I mean, I can't eat this sandwich. That You can put too much mustard on a sandwich, and they, they did. Uh, too much mustard for me. You know, I enjoyed the early frustration 
and basically the segmented offensive onslaughts that each guy would go through, especially awesome, like awesome. They, they had their match on TV. They've had many matches before, so he knows what he's in for. This guy's a fucking Terminator, but so is Mike awesome. I don't know. They're just different versions. So awesome would just, I'm going to do these type of moves. And then if that doesn't work, I'm going to go to this kind of attack. I'm, you know, I'm going to go through the air. I'm going to use weapons. I'm just going to suplex him everywhere. I mean, he would do everything he could, and it seemed very calculated. I just think, uh, you know, them going tit for tat on being an absolute crazy person and throwing it all at the other guy was actually part of the story. And they told that story the whole match. I loved that somehow Tanaka was just like, yeah, I'm going to awesome bomb you over the top through the table. And like that made sense. And then seriously, watch both times Awesome goes to the floor. He should have died. Somehow, when he gets close to the floor, he either somehow lands softly or somehow flips like a cat at the last split second instead of braining himself. It doesn't make any sense. He weighs a lot. And it's just it's just mind-blowing. But neither guy's finish works. Masato had to chain his finishes together and then go with an ultimate finisher, Tornado DDT, on two chairs to win after getting his revenge on Mike Awesome by doing his own move to him and recreating that crazy-ass visual you saw weeks ago on Hardcore TV. I think there was a lot of storytelling there in the violence. It wasn't all time, but I give it three-quarter star. I mean, for the match and for what they were doing, I was on the fence between a half and a three-quarter star because they – you know, they didn't get a lot of time to st- tell a this big epic story, but they did tell the strong grapple story. They did tell the cream team story and they did tell the they told a very good uh, we know each other well story. You know, uh, there weren't a lot of counters, but there was a lot of like, I'm just going to I'm going to murder you and then I'm going to murder you and then I'm going to murder you and then I'm going to murder you. We're we're going to we're going to just we're just gonna murder each other. Um, you know, I. It was very enjoyable. Like it was, it was one of those books that you read. Going back to the story analogy, where you're like, "This is this is like not the best well written." And there's like some holes or some nitpick things, but it's just so damn entertaining. You know what I mean? And that's worth something. So I'm I'm gonna ride your good mood good mood wave. And I'm gonna go three quarter stars as well for storytelling mm-hmm. here. I can I can dig that. All right, atmosphere, not the best. Now, I've watched a bunch of ECW shows, and I know what it means to be an ECW crowd. And one thing that this ECW crowd didn't do that they do a lot of time is go into business for themselves, which was nice. But they just, even with a lot of the shit that they were doing to each other, the crowd was like, just they weren't familiar enough with these two guys, maybe. And it took them like, towards the end of just like these guys are just beating the absolute shit out of each other to get into it. So um, that and Joey Styles was good, but this wasn't the main event. This was like, you know, mid card Joey Styles, which is, which is good and appropriate, but you know, he, he would did a very good job of saving his excitement. So we didn't really get it. Oh my God. Like you would get on uh, matches. If you saw this, like for a title match type of thing. So ultimately I could only give atmosphere a, a half a star. There was still some, uh, there, it still had some good feel to it. They still got the crowd into it. And Joey Styles didn't deter. And Shane Douglas was also there. 
Yeah, Shane was okay. You know, he he wanted people to pin each other better, and you know, he was bewildered. I, things were lacking. I mean, the crowd took a lot of work to finally come around, and when they did, they were where they needed to be. But they took well. That was a slow burn, and uh, you know, wasn't a big fight feel at all when they came out. And you know, as much as Styles knew about these guys' rivalry, and it's rumored that Mike. I'm, I'm sorry, Joey Styles actually credits a spot he saw Awesome do in one of his um, matches in ECW in 93 or 94 that he basically damn near killed a guy. And Joey Styles kind of from there on was doing that. Oh, my God, because he actually had to utter that from what he saw in a Mike Awesome match back then. I would have thought he would have been like all in this and he did fine, but he just didn't have the energy. Maybe he was staring at Francine's breasts uh you know shane douglas's <laughs> arm brace was enormous you know it, it was it was mid card joey styles That's it was one of, that was one of the things with joey styles was throughout his career was he at the level of the card was the level of his excitement which is appropriate at sometimes one half star for me too all right what did you give the execution okay that backdrop <laughs> that mike awesome did to tanaka before returning to the ring and jumping into the crowd and hitting him, you know, with a HCMB, as you called it. Uh, here comes my body. I was there. It was bad. Okay. Cause he just like nonchalantly slings Tanaka over his shoulder and Tanaka just hangs out there in the front row and lets it all go down. Other than that, these guys did moves no one's ever seen or probably will ever see again. They did some death-defying stuff, career and life-altering. The springboard dive, the chair duel that we didn't mention. They had a sword fight with chairs nonchalantly on the outside. Well, we didn't harp on it. I mean, I'm sorry. The Tanaka bomb, a top rope chair shot to the head. It's just, it's just crazy, and it's so standout. Maybe more than any match. I mean, I mean, this is like maybe over and above TLC level matches because you expect that in those and they do some crazy spots, but we've seen a million of these. I just don't know that I've ever seen many matches where two guys just try and kill each other. So it's full star for me. It's that standout. I mean, look, is it the is it a technical masterpiece? No, but this is this is all time stuff to me, what they're doing to each other in there. So I'm going heavy. Wow. Full star. I was a little tougher on the match for the, for the execution piece. I was actually hovering between a half star and a three quarter star because there was so much like lumbering, you know, and how they fell and how they moved. And I mean, all, not only lumbering into almost killing themselves, but just like some of the ways that they took the bumps, it was just sort of like awkward, um, you know, a, a little bit of slow down. The transitions weren't always of the crispest, crispest, crispest. Most crisp, a Christmas present, <laughs> correct? Uh, and the all those unprotected uh, headshots with the chair. Oh man, it, it took me out of it a little bit. I, I, I'm still gonna ride because I, I had so much fun talking about it, and it is, it is so entertaining. I'm gonna ride that good mood wave again and go to three quarters of a star, but. There's no way this was a classic level execution. I mean, again, for this type of match, maybe, but 
I'll give a little spoiler. I, I won't spoil something else I'm going to say later that uh, also dampens this category a little bit. All right, finish. Uh to me, I gave to me I gave the finish a half star. I should probably I might be able to go three quarters of a star as well, but this one I'm going to sit back at a half star. It was a little anticlimactic to me because we had the over the top rope spot, which could or should have been the finish. The roaring elbow after it could or should have been the finish. Then it should have been another roaring elbow. Like let's get Tanaka's finisher over a little bit more. He, I mean, he already won with it. Um, you know, the tornado DDT on the chairs, I guess, had some oomph to it, but it felt like just, and he did another move. Like there was no real buildup to it. And it also wasn't like Tanaka was like, I got to do this. This is going to be the one that, that takes him out, you know? So it, it had an impact because there was an impact, but uh, not TNA, but just an actual impact. But it didn't, it, to me, it just wasn't the right move where it just didn't, it didn't have that right build. Like, and again, Tanaka, I mean, awesome. Didn't get beat by a finisher. He got beat by a move after a finisher, which is just a little weird to me. Um, so anyways, I'll quit rambling there. A half star. It was clean. You know, I like that. Uh, Masato did had to do several moves in a row to put that nail in the coffin. You know, the right man won. This kept awesome. Very strong. Made us all want more, which is all you can ask of a finish. But, Man, I mean, with the build that they gave to that, you know, ending up with a tornado DDT, eh, you know, it was flat. It was good. It's just uh, certainly wasn't a cherry on top to the insanity that you just watched. So I'm at a half a star as well. All right. And finally, significance. What do you give it? Man, this is one of the longest and most brutal and famous hardcore rivalries of all time. This is the first pay-per-view encounter in the States and just a stamp. I mean, a stamp on an already, you know, talked about rivalry that now will become a staple of ECW and a legend in people's mind. You know, what's to come is amazing. I mean, having already wrestled several times and now twice on TV, everyone wanted more of this and they were going to get it. Moves and spots that are mind-blowing. And just highlight real all time as far as ECW. I just think I, you know, a lot of this stuff I feel like I have to put context on it. It's living in its own universe, but I think this is extremely significant. Maybe one of the pillars of ECW, um, but not necessarily wrestling as a whole. So I'm I'm three quarter stars. I think it's very significant. I am. We are going to disagree on this one. Um, I was down at a quarter star for this, um, maybe a half star, depending on the good mood wave I was going to ride for some reason. That's a theme to my categories here. And let me tell you why. Uh, yes, it did kick off the American version of this feud, which gives it some significance, gives it enough of a quarter star significance. But the things that solidified the feud was their multiple world title matches that they had in the future in ECW with Mike Awesome as the champion and Tanaka, you know, uh, being the challenger. They had more bigger matches in Japan based off of title matches. You know, we can't go back to Japan and feel what it felt like 
to be a Japanese wrestling fan and watch them in FMW, but arguably bigger matches in this mid-card, throw-it-together match that they had. So they had history up to this, and their history past this is arguably filled with better matches. To me, this was fun to watch, um, but it also set the stage and made me nostalgic for their title match that they that they had, and I want to go back and see the three-way match that they had with Taz that I want to go back and watch, and their one-night stand match, which is arguably the best of their series, at least in America, because I haven't seen the Japanese matches. So to me, uh, it, it's it's significant to these guys in a sense that it brought their feud to America and made people go, oh, man, holy shit. But, you know, it what really elevated it elevated it was the title matches and then what put the stamp on is one night stand. So I thought they had more significant matches in their careers and in their feud against each other. So. And this was a mid card match that didn't have a big fight feel, you know, going into it. So uh, I will not ride the good move mood wave for this. And I'll go to a quarter star because I think I've convinced myself a quarter star to go on the opposite end. It could be a half star, but at the end of the day, it's not gonna if this was the ecw match i might i might be higher but i I think you have to give it a half a star they don't have a career in the u.s without this match they don't have the title matches without this match this match is why you know what their career went to where it did if you take this away you don't even know who these guys are unless you're a super fan we believe that's a good point so i'll go half a star so let me break it down (laughs) yeah Big win for Danny. Uh, all right. Breaking it down here. Overall, uh, with my half star at the end there, I'm at three stars even. This is a very fun match. This is a match where I think that had I not been doing the science, I probably would have rated it higher than three stars because of how much fun I had with it and all the reasons that we mentioned. It's, again, like that great popcorn flick where if you – you know, like a Fast and the Furious, you know, where you you know that it's going to be what it, it is, what it is, and that's what you're going to get, and you're going to enjoy that. And if you had to nitpick it, you're like, I mean, it's not a 9 out of 10 movie, you know, that's, but it doesn't take away the entertainment that you had. That's what this match is. Super entertaining. It led to many more matches between the two that were fantastic and arguably uh, even better than this one. It's definitely worth seeing, but ultimately, through the science, I ended up at three stars here, but this was not my choice. This was your pick this week. So it is incumbent upon you to determine definitively if it is in fact a classic. So Danny, I say to you, Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka, ECW Heatwave 1998. Is it a classic? The science is tough and it's very tough on ECW. The science is biased towards ECW and apparently women's matches if you listen to my Bailey and Sasha episode. Same deal here. To me, this match has the it factor. This match lives in my personal wrestling lore forever. I can't believe this match. I can't believe what came out of this match. What a beautiful creation of violence this match is. But we don't grade on a curve. It's three and a half stars for me. And you know I was being generous because I love it. I made you be generous and we got to three stars doesn't I, I can't slip it in i want to but i can't this match is not a classic i heard the one i heard the two and i heard the three tonight although my shoulders were off the ground when that three hit buddy but i guarantee you one thing Hayabusa, 
At the end of this series, we're going to have you one-on-one, -on -one, single for single. I'm going to beat your goddamn brains in. And that's all there is to it. I'm sick of your shit and you're going to die. Hashtag, I can't slip it in. I can't. Well, very, very fun match still. Like, go watch. It's, it's an 11-minute match. Go take can. the time to watch it. <laughs> Correct. Well, possibly you, won't, or not. you won't hear about it. Yeah, sign the NDA. Uh, fun. Fun match, though. It's worth lunch break. Pull it up on the cock and take a take a watch. ECW Heat Wave 98. That's that match. And next week, we need to have a match to watch, and it's my turn to choose. And you know, old relevant Randy over here is going to pick a match that's relevant to what's going on. And as you know, if you're following the WWE, it is the celebration of Jan Cena's 20 years in the biz. And I'm going to choose a match that you and I, to my knowledge, I'm speaking for you, assuming you've only seen it once. I've only seen it once, and that was live in person. So it'll be interesting to watch it through the TV screen, hear the commentators, and see if what we felt was accurate. And that is John Cena versus AJ Styles at the Royal Rumble 2017. We were live, pal. And that is the only time I've watched that match. I look forward to that because, you know, I really wonder how I felt about it. I don't remember feeling a ton from that show, except we had a great time. So I really want to dive into this one. I think and it's a, a shit great view. Day. Yeah. Great time WrestleMania at WrestleMania sign in, in front of our face. They looked well, at it a lot. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, that is it. For this show, as always, please like, subscribe, download, tell your mammy, tell your pappy, tell your friends, tell Mike Awesome, RIP, uh, just tell everyone. Let's grow this IAC nation. Let's keep it going, IAC maniacs. Uh, it is, it'll be a good time. It is a good time. We're having a good time. We hope you're having a good time. As always, you can email us at isitaclassicpod at gmail.com. If you have a match that you think is a classic, Tell us why, and we may put it on the show. We've done it before, and damn it, we will do it again. You can find us on Instagram at classic underscore pod. But that is it for us. Before we go, Danny, anything you want to leave them with? Please subscribe. Please give us a rating. Please give us some feedback. We want to talk to you guys. Tell us what you want Hell to hear. Yeah. We're going to do a show anyway, but we'll probably do what you want to hear if you want. Yeah, unless it's some weird stuff. We don't kink shame, but we may not bring it to the show. Well, it needs to be a match. <laughs> true alright and as always I will leave you with this hashtag HCMB here comes my body <laughs>